There were two more murders 15 miles when away. We arrived, they found the telephone the electricity line. The weird described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. Cuff of murder. People will go to great lengths to end a relationship, especially one where they don't feel safe. On January 23rd, 1990, a woman named Tanya Bennett was killed near Portland, Oregon. Police had no leads and no suspects. That was until a woman showed up with a shocking story that was, as they would learn years later, a little too convenient. So, if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. On January 23, 1990, a Portland woman named Tanya Bennett made a choice that many choose every day. She decided to go home with a guy she met at the bar. Except, when she refused to have sex with her new acquaintance, he began to beat her. Then the stranger, worried she would call police, quote, put his fist in her mouth and killed the 23-year-old girl. He then, in order to establish an alibi, went back to the bar and made his presence known before going back home, retrieving her body, and disposing of it. Her body was found a few days later, the rope still around her neck, her bra pulled up, and pants around her ankles, having been sexually assaulted. Her death and the mystery surrounding it was broadcast on all of the news stations. Then, one day, the police got a call from 57-year-old Laverne Pavlinak. According to Laverne, her 43-year-old live-in boyfriend, John Sosnovsky, was the one who brutally murdered Tanya Bennett. She provided details that made her story more credible and how he forced her to help rape, murder, and dispose of the body. The couple, who had been together for 10 years, were arrested on March 5th and, on February 8th, 1991, both were convicted. To avoid a death penalty, John pled guilty and was sentenced to life in prison, while Laverne was sentenced to a minimum of 10 years. Here was the problem. While the trial was going on, a message was found on the men's room wall at a Greyhound bus depot in Livingston, Montana. It read, I killed Tanya Bennett. It went into more detail and ended with, two people took the blame and I'm free, before being signed with a smiley face. A similar message appeared in Umatilla, Oregon a few days later. Not just that, but Laverne, after receiving a sentence a little longer than she expected, started claiming that she made the whole thing up. But don't most murderers claim their innocence? Then the smiley face messenger, after not receiving the attention or action he thought his confession deserved, started writing to the media and police departments confessing his crimes. He signed the letters with his signature smiley face, which soon earned him the moniker, the happy-faced killer. This happy-faced killer wasn't just claiming responsibility for Tanya's murder, but the murder of five in Oregon and one in California. If all of this was true... Why were Laverne Pavlinak and John Sosnovsky in prison? Well, as the world would eventually learn, Laverne was a bit of an armchair detective. She ingested so much information on the murder that she decided to use it to her advantage. Her boyfriend of 10 years, John, was an abusive man who she didn't feel like she could get rid of, at least not without help. So she cooked up a story of their involvement in the crime and was so convincing that police believed them. And John, who was completely innocent, 
simply pled guilty because he felt he had no choice and didn't want to be put to death. Meanwhile, the real killer was still at large. Just two and a half years after his first victim, a new victim of the Happy Face Killer was found. On September 16, 1992, the unidentified body of a woman was found near Blythe, California. She had been raped and strangled before being disposed of. Then a month later came the body of Cynthia Lynn Rose. Next was Lori Ann Pentland of Salem, Oregon, and six months later, an unidentified woman in Santanella, California. A year later, in September of 1994, another Jane Doe was found in Crestview, Florida, and in January of 1995, a woman named Angela Serbriz, after riding with her killer for a week, thinking he was just a friendly man who picked up a hitchhiker, was killed before being strapped to the undercarriage of a truck and dragged to remove any evidence. These women, many of whom were sex workers, had their deaths written off as drug overdose or an angry John. Their deaths were not solved, and some bodies weren't even found until after the killer was caught and began giving details about his crime. But this would take several years. It wasn't until the happy-faced killer took a victim a little close to home that his reign of terror finally ended. Two months after the murder of Angela Sabriz, on March 16, 1995, a woman named Julie Ann Winningham in Washington was strangled to death. Unlike his past victims, Julie had friends and relatives that knew about her personal life and about a boyfriend who had been giving her a hard time. They gave his name, Keith Hunter Jesperson, and his profession, a truck driver. They brought him in and questioned him for more than six hours about Julie's death, but didn't have enough evidence to hold him. Eventually, in an effort to receive a lesser sentence, Keith wrote a letter confessing to having killed Julie, as well as other women. He turned himself in and confessed to Julie's murder. Eventually, in an effort to receive a lesser sentence, Keith decided he was going to turn himself in for the murder of Julie. He wrote a letter to his brother confessing to having killed Julie, as well as the other women, and turned himself over to police. But, Despite asking his brother to destroy the letter, the information was leaked that Keith may be responsible for the other murders. So police began connecting his travel routes and any unsolved crimes and quickly began connecting the dots. Keith Hunter Jesperson was the happy face killer. Eventually, Keith confessed to all of his murders, most of which he didn't even know the girls' names, and where to find some of the bodies that had not been located. He claimed his victim count was 185, though only eight had been definitively connected to him. With Jesperson in prison, on January 7, 1996, Laverne Pavlinak and John Sosnowski were released after serving five years in prison. Keith was serving three consecutive life sentences in Oregon before, in September of 2009, he was indicted for murder and extradited to California to face further charges. He received the fourth life sentence in January of 2010. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on January 24th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime-obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.
Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again, and have a wonderful day.